right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You know, we got past that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk here with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson and Team USA couldn't get it done. Moments ago. Could Literally not get it done. Breaking news. Mm. They drew. They drew. The the most soccer stat of all time, a tie for USA and Wales. Up one nothing at halftime, could not hold on. We're going to spend the next three hours breaking down exactly what happened yep. in the Team USA minute soccer by game. Minute. Well, no, I guess. Every yellow card, every pass, yep. every dribble. Hey, by the way, in the first half of that game, the U.S. was had an 89% completion percentage on their passes. Mm. That's really good. Yeah, so when Team consider- USA for quarterback? <laughs> exactly. Of Great something? I don't know what. Um, yeah, good numbers for USA there. No, uh, we will not be breaking that down most of the show, but uh, very sad, very sad uh, to get us started. I, I was hoping, you know. I mean, it's not sad, but it's it's not good. It's either. like expected almost, but it's just it, ties are so annoying, man. I do actually think that, like, why do we not just bring back ties in, in college basketball or, or college football, I mean? Or just, I guess, sports in general, in the regular like, season. No, ties suck. In the regular season. Ties are stupid. But isn't that more indicative than a game that goes to overtime and a team wins off, like, a fluky play? Isn't it more indicative no. just to say the two teams were even? No. No. <laughs> ties are the Like the most un-American ever. way to ties determine things. Ties are so stupid. Well, I don't know. Just, just a thought. Well... I hate it. You hate my thought. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, KU football certainly would have loved to have had a, uh, a, a tie yeah, on Saturday. A tie. Yeah. yeah, that game. Uh, Texas dominates Kansas. I, I forget even the final score. 55-14. Yeah. Right. Okay. I'm not going to mince words here. No need to sugarcoat it. Poor performance. Step back from a program that, you know, through some of the faults that they've still had, like this isn't a perfect team. This isn't Alabama all of a sudden. Obviously, they've improved a ton, and the program has gotten to a point where it's very exciting, and that doesn't change with what happened on Saturday. Uh, But through some of their faults or or some of their struggles in certain ways over other games where they have, you know, lost or or things haven't gone their way, it at least always was competitive to some degree. And that was not the the case on Saturday. There wasn't a lot of reason for a lot of fans to. You know, at halftime, a lot of fans go out and they grab a beer at their tailgate. Yeah. Wasn't as much reason for fans to come back in. The weather's cold. cold, yeah. Uh, you're down 31 nothing at halftime. You don't really have reason to stay in, and the game wasn't competitive all the way through. And it wasn't even a Baylor situation where, hey, you're down this big at half, but you fight back in the second half and, and show what you can do. That was never really the case. And I guess... You can go two ways on this. One, like I said, it is disappointing. It's a poor performance. It is kind of a step back of of the progress they had been making about the idea of being competitive every game. But the reality is still for teams that are in the the tier or the area or 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 the spot that Kansas is in, which is basically being a middle of the pack Big Twelve team, a team that contends for a bowl game but isn't going to win nine or ten games. 
The reality is those teams have performances like this. I know it's it's not something you want, but we've still had competitive games every other game. And if you were to say before the season Kansas was going to go bowling and they were going to only have through the first 11 games one game where they were truly blown out, you would obviously take that. But like I said, the reality is with these other teams in the area that KU is in in terms of where they're at with how competitive they are, how many games they're winning, this happens, man. It just does. And it's not me excusing it. It's not me saying that this is okay or that – the, the coaches are going to be like, ah, it's fine. No, they're going to tr- clearly try to fix things. This is me saying from a wide-picture approach, this happens. Oklahoma State lost by 100 points to Kansas State, approximately. Literally 100. Yeah. Oklahoma lost by approximately 100 points to TCU. West Virginia lost by approximately 100 points to Texas Tech, which I know they're not a bowl team, whatever. Baylor lost by approximately 100 points to Kansas State. It just happens sometimes. I think the saddest part of this, though, is that it had to happen on senior day. Yeah. Like, that's the saddest part of it is that, like, if you're going to go through and say, okay, through 11 games, KU is going to be truly only blown out once. You'd be like, okay, that's great. But the sad part is it it did happen on senior day, right? Like, that's the most disappointing part is you feel bad because some of those guys that have really dedicated their all to the program, like Sam Burt, Kenny Logan, those types of players, like, they didn't get the best send-off, obviously, right? Because there wasn't hardly any fans left mm-hmm. at the end of the game. Yeah, So that part's definitely disappointing. Yeah, based on some uh, Kenny Logan tweets like leading up to the game, definitely seemed like that was going to be his last game. But I guess we, we don't know for sure, and, and we'll see. But yeah, I mean, you're right. With senior day and, and not having that opportunity, because this, this was a senior class that will be remembered now for... You know, maybe starting something here, yeah, right? Get, right. Getting the for, turned around. Yeah, and and for being the first class that that took them back to a bowl game, and for guys who decided to use the extra COVID year to come back, and and that'll be their lasting impact. So you're right. It, it would have been nice to kind of not just have the celebration before the game, but have that celebration over the course of the game, and and the celebration being in the result of how competitive you were with a Texas yeah. team that you know last year. That's kind of what felt like started this run it was the texas game last year that led into the momentum that you had this past season that led into the season you had this year yeah we obviously saw the return of jalen daniels that was uh probably the biggest storyline inside the story i would say uh he comes out he starts the game right away as the quarterback stats at the end of the day looked pretty good for jalen he was up around nine yards per attempt um, had the one interception, had another one that could have been picked, had two touchdowns for the game again, like efficiency-wise. It looked good on the stat sheet, but clearly watching that game, it was not the same Jalen that we remember from prior to the injury. Well, on Friday, I mentioned this about urging cautious optimism, where you know if, if you were going into that game expecting Week 2 Jalen, you were being probably a little bit delusional, a little bit, right? I mean, we knew that there was probably going to be some some ups and downs with him coming back, and and overall, I, I like I said, I, I thought he played pretty well. He made some good throws, and live as I was watching the game, it felt like maybe he was laboring a bit more on throws. I don't know if that's the right term for it or or what, but on second look, I, I don't really think it really he was being affected too much actually by his shoulder situation. So he looked pretty much 100 percent to me, but the one area where he was clearly negatively affected was his running right he was clearly very hesitant to run very hesitant to utilize the option and very hesitant to to act to use that side of his game which as we've talked about if Jalen is not going to be a runner then he's 
the the gap between him and Jason Bean is not that significant, mm-hmm. right? And that's what we saw. Like Jason Bean could have easily put up the numbers that Jalen put up yesterday, right? Two hundred and thirty yards, two touchdowns, an interception. Like that's kind of what that's kind of what Jason Bean's been doing in since he's been starting, right? So again, if Jalen is not going to to run, whether it's because he doesn't want to take any hits or whether it's because you know whatever reason it might be, he's he's not that much more effective than what Jason Bean could be, right? And so that's the area that was concerning to me. Other than that, I thought I thought Jalen played played pretty well, right? Given the circumstances, like I, I I definitely personally was not expecting him to go out there and just light it up like he was in the first four weeks of the season. But I also wasn't expecting him to just be terrible. And he wasn't either one, right? He was pretty mm-hmm. much right where I thought he was going to be. He was somewhere in the middle. He made some really nice throws. Quentin Skinner made some great catches. Uh, there was that one throw on the first on the opening drive. Yeah, of the, the game. very first yes. throw. Yes, the opening drive of the game, that deep throw down to Quentin Skinner. If that's oh, caught that one. Yeah, yeah. if that's caught and Skinner scores, I mean, who knows what the game looks like from that point on. It was a you know, like a, a 30, 40 yard seam route and Skinner was wide open. Or he was pretty much wide open. So I mean that's one that that you missed on, but but other than that, I I, I thought Jalen played pretty played pretty well. But again, if you're looking at next week, assuming Jalen is going to be the starter, which I think is a pretty safe assumption, he's got to be more confident running the ball. He's got to he's got to utilize the option to cert to a certain extent because that is really what takes him to the next level as a quarterback. And not only that, it's what takes the entire offense to the next level as a dynamic offense. Yeah, and I don't know if that was something that was coach related like exactly like it's hard to it's hard for us to say right. from the outside was it, was it what, the coaches protecting him yeah yeah was it and i guess my my answer that if it was the coaches protecting him should he be out there would be my counter to that right because well again because I, again the, the difference between him and jason bean at that point is not that significant no because yeah that's the thing with jason bean you're you're not getting as much of the running aspect in terms of the vision or the the read option game or the breaking tackles and if you're not getting that like you said with jalen then yeah it's it's not as big of a difference so if that is the case but but who knows maybe i i mean maybe jason bean wasn't healthy enough either right and maybe that wasn't yeah. the, maybe it was oh shoot we're gonna have to either start a partially injured quarterback or go with the freshman ethan vasco and at that point they were like no we don't think we're going to have the running game anyway, so let's just go with you know ninety percent Jalen Daniels. I don't I don't know what the answer was. Clearly, Jason Bean came in at the end of the game, so that would kind of make you think maybe he was healthy enough. But also sounds like based on what Lance Leipold said after the game, he didn't really practice much all week, and um, they didn't know how effective he would be. And that at the end of the game, maybe they viewed it as like, hey, let's get him in there for senior day, and we'll run some plays that'll protect him and, and make sure he doesn't get hit as much. Um, so that was that was certainly interesting, but you're 100 percent right with the running thing, and and that's uh, for Kansas. If if they're going to beat Kansas State, that has to be an aspect it has of to be offense. a big aspect yeah. of the offense because that is how they go from you know being um, an offense that has certain questions and can do certain things well, but isn't elite to all of a sudden being one of the better offenses in the Big Twelve. Like yeah. that is how much of a big difference it provides. And I know a lot of people talked about. Um, well, did you have something to add on the running game before? I was just going to say, well, what what makes Jalen what made Jalen so good at the beginning of the season? I think was his decisiveness, his mm-hmm. confidence with the option game specifically, and that didn't seem like it was there in that game. I don't know if it's just a you know haven't run the option in live game action for six weeks or whatever, but he needs to rediscover that. I think. Yeah, and and we'll get to Lance Leipold's audio in the post game here in a little bit. We've also got his audio. We talked today ahead of the Kansas State game. One of the things he mentioned was. 
You know, Jalen was actually asking to stay in there at the end of the game when they put in Jason Bean because he he felt like he was shaking the rust off. And so I think that that is something to remember here that, you know, it wasn't going to be perfect right off the bat, like you said. This is a guy who hasn't played in almost two months. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people talked about the fact that his arm strength didn't look the same and he didn't have much zip on on the throws. I would agree with that for a lot of the throws. I will say there were a couple throws where you did see, like— Yeah, I don't don't know how much that was a factor. Like I said, like— Live watching it, I thought maybe there was some questions, but rewatching it, to me, I thought he was pretty much fine. I guess to my to my eye, and then when you add in the the factor about him talking about how he felt like he was shaking the rust off, the 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 deep throw to Quentin Skinner at the beginning of the game, it missed by you know is it maybe a foot overthrown or yeah, one yeah, where Quentin Skinner could have came up with that throw because he didn't right. have the arm strength for it. Um, you had the Quentin Skinner on the deep ball in the second half, which you know that was a deep throw down the field. Um, and then you had a couple throws to Quentin Skinner. I feel like everything was to Quentin Skinner. He did have one uh, throw to Lawrence Arnold in the second half. Yeah, he did. But uh, there was the the one in the first half on like I forget if it's an out route or comeback uh, deep out to Quentin Skinner for first down. There's yeah, another on one the over the middle yeah. for Quentin Skinner for a first down that he had to zip through a tight window. And those are the plays where you did see uh, the high I don't know RPMs or or the really good arm strength from Jalen Daniels that that shows me that it's still in there. Uh, maybe he did. It, it did take a little bit more of just putting his whole body into it to get that ball there. But the fact that he was able to do it does tell me that that's still in there for Jalen Daniels yeah. and that it is just going to, yeah, take some time to ease his way back. But that's still there. It's not that it's just completely gone from his game now with the injury. So that was a good sign. Uh, I also wonder, though, like with maybe some of the passes that you didn't see as much zip or whatnot, like, let's not forget, Quinn Ewers for Texas didn't do anything in the bad. end. He had a couple <laughs> throws where it was maybe like a third and long or it was a second down and 10, and KU basically said, we're going to put everybody in the box and play man-to-man on the outside, and he burned them a couple times on, like, deep balls to the outside or, like, a post route over the middle. But, yeah, the reality situation is if KU could have had any semblance of a run defense, yes, they would have had a much better chance. Correct, and so when you look at how Texas, the first drive of the game, you know, didn't have success. They punt the ball away and they passed it. And then from then on, they were like, no, screw this. We're just going to like run every play. As they should have. And with how Quinn Ewers struggled and with how maybe there were some of those questions about Jalen, I do wonder how much the weather impacted the passing game, like to that degree. Because if I, I don't I mean, think it wasn't, a, it wasn't a blizzard. No, out it there. wasn't. It wasn't. I do think it was windier on the field than you would have would have thought maybe being up in the stands or whatnot. But um, I think there was almost a grip issue for the quarterbacks in that game. Like you look, it wasn't at, five degrees. I don't know, man. I, I'm not saying it excuses everything, but I do think there's a piece of me that goes, yeah, Texas wasn't able to throw the ball as well at, at all. Well, and Quinn they weren't Ewers, able to throw because Quinn Ewers sucks. I get that, but like Quinn Ewers is up and down. But Quinn Ewers, like the scouting report on him is that he has one of the most talented like arms in the country. Like uh, some of the footwork and stuff like that. Like sure, that and decision making. Well, but, Derek, they didn't. They didn't need him to do anything. I know. They I needed know. him I'm to not, take I'm the not, snap. I'm not turn around and I'm hand it off. Saying, I'm, I'm not arguing what their what what Quinn Ewers' performance was. <laughs> I'm just saying the proof is in the pudding that they didn't really use him. And when they he did, did try to throw it, you didn't see any of that. They on They didn't talent. need to use him. I know. I know. I'm not. I'm okay. not arguing against that. I'm not okay. arguing against that. Okay. Um, <laughs> the point is that when he did use it, you didn't see the arm talent. And so even though Jalen sometimes the throws maybe were a little softer than normal. I think that had at least some impact on things. Um, obviously, it is worrisome if he's not 100% and wants to continue playing, but 
The way Lance Leipold was talking today, it sounded like Jalen wanted to stay in the game as much as possible, and that he was chomping at the bit to get in there. So, uh, I mean, listen, I, I me, mm-hmm. I could have quarterbacked Texas offense fifty-five points on Saturday. Yeah, me. they they ran over everything, and yeah, I guess we'll we'll get to the defense here. Uh, the defense was really bad for for Kansas. That was that was. I don't know. It's it's hard to say there was a worse defensive game than the Oklahoma game. I know Texas scored more than Oklahoma. I think this might have been worse. Well, it's like the Oklahoma game was almost worse to a standpoint because it was just lining up wrong and stuff like that. Yeah, and, if, but, and if Oklahoma really wanted to, they probably could have put up more. You probably could have said the same about Texas, but I would probably say this one was worse just because it was. Well, I mean, it's it was, just, it was it's like just the same a, play over and over. Well, and you yeah, stop exactly. It. It's just a lot more demoralizing mm-hmm. when a team just runs HB dive every play and they're getting 10 yards every run mm-hmm. versus what Oklahoma was doing, right? And, like, yeah, Bijan's the best running back in the conference, but, I mean, even still, like, yeah, it was it was, it was was not good. It was not good at all, and that's tough to see. And, and you know, we, we had, obviously we've, we've gone back and forth of the debate of whether or not the KU run defense is, is back or not. Well, they're definitely not back, so that sucks. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, the, I, I expected to some extent what what was going to happen. This was going to happen in terms of just Bijan being able to run the ball as well as he did. But I thought at some point the Kansas defense would have some sort of answer, and they just they just didn't. No, they, just they didn't. never did. They they really never did. And on I mean, some it of those was touchdown ugly. runs from Bijan. It looked like he was jogging. Yeah, like I like I don't know if that's just I don't like. It looked like he I wasn't even trying to run. Being a remarkable athlete, and it looks so. like he's yeah, going no, in slow so motion. Um, I mean, yeah, that was after, really frustrating. After that first Texas drive, they were just like, "Screw the elements, we're just going to run it down their throat." Once they started rolling, it, it was over. And I think we talked about this last week. Like the KU defense, when you look at Brian Borland defensively, he's more of a "let's do simple well," which. I, to be clear, I'm not saying that's like a bad thing. I think for a lot no. of defense, like that's kind of what Iowa State does. Iowa State is kind of like let's do simple well with this unique formation, yeah. and yeah, we'll we'll do certain things where you know we line up guys in certain areas to make it difficult on you. But overall, what they're doing is is simple. But they they if you execute simple to the highest level, like that can be as effective as anything. So I'm not saying it's wrong, but the counter to that is there's not as many adjustments from the defense when you look at going from from why they've been better. Like, again, we talked about this last week, and when we've asked before, like, oh, what is what has gone different? Like, why did things go better for you in the second half? Or it wasn't about, oh, we made all these adjustments and we started playing cover three and instead of cover two or whatever. Or we started blitzing or we started, you know, playing different formation. It was just, no, guys just started executing better. Yeah. So simple was not doing well in that game. And I do think that there were a few times that KU did just be like, hey, we're going to put seven or eight guys in the box and just basically go all out on the run. And there were a few times that they did hit you with with maybe bigger pass plays that scared you off a little bit, kind of one-on-one coverage. I do wonder at some point, like during that game, do you just say to yourself like, hey, let's just <laughs> blitz eight on like every play. And, you yeah. know, if they beat us for a deep ball, they beat us for a deep ball. Well, this game, it was similar, kind of going back to the discussion with Oklahoma. It was similar in this from the standpoint of you just saw – Texas yeah. had better No matter athletes. what you did. They just had better athletes, yeah. right? Like, like over the course of this season, we know that Kansas is a lot better athletically for, or for just from an athletic standpoint than they have been in, in a long time, maybe, right, in terms of on both sides of the ball. But this was another game similar to Oklahoma where you just see what happens when you have a bunch of four- and five-star guys yeah. going up against what KU has. Yeah. Right? And that's not a knock against KU at all. That's just – the reality of what it was. Yeah, I mean, Bijan just running through the defense, like you said, he looked like it was in slow motion. And, like, 
it was like there were missed tackles, certainly, but it was less like the Texas Tech game. It was more like missed tackling angles, like not realizing yeah. and Bijan just shaking guys or making unbelievable cuts and then nobody touching them. And uh, KU continues to struggle against screen plays. You had like the third and goal at the 15. They get a touchdown. Like that can't continue to happen. That happened against Baylor, too. You have. Uh, like, I know this wasn't a third down, but I view it the same way where there's 10 seconds left in the first half and you have an opportunity to make it, you know, still a game at half to the point of where the Baylor game was, where it's like, okay, they're up 24 nothing. Like, maybe we can convince ourselves we can be in this. They have uh, a first then, or second down at the 25. Yeah, and then Bijan just runs, runs it in. Yeah. Like, that's equivalent to, like, a third down and long, like, where you have all these yards to give up on a cushion and you don't. Um, I, I definitely think one thing that's being exposed on the KU defense I, I I don't think it's like a lack of trying or anything. Like Kobe Bryant or Melo Dotson are willing to come up and, and make tackles, but certainly those guys are are slight of weight. Like they're both like 160, 170 pounds. And I think we've seen a lot of defenses of late attack the outside. And we saw that a lot, like sweep plays, a little pitch play out of the shotgun with Bijan Robinson. KU was just kind of dominated on the line of scrimmage. Uh I, I guess this will be a quick footnote here because it didn't matter in a 41 point loss, really, but Maybe it's a different game and maybe keeps your momentum. Honestly, it was a bad call that even led to it. KU should have had a touchdown there to Jared Casey. Yeah. And maybe it is a, I don't know, game KU is a little more competitive in with that momentum, but you can't even try field goals anymore. Like, that's no. just bad. Well, and I don't even think that Jared Casey touchdown that got called back, I don't even think that was the worst call against Kansas. The worst call was Texas up 17 nothing. Quinn Ewers throws it up to the end zone. Oh, yeah, the and offensive And Dodson just Dodson gets, just gets shoved in the back. Yeah. Just shoved down. Yeah. How is that not OPI or yeah. anything, right? Like, if, if the rules are reversed there, you've got a billion flags on the field against the defense, yeah. right? I don't understand that at all. And Texas score on the next play, right? So those are two 14-point plays right there. Yeah, and again, you lose 55 I mean, I, Yeah, Not that it mattered so. at the end of the day, but, like, wow, that was frustrating. But who knows? Maybe it's the difference between it being a, a semi-competitive game like the Oklahoma game is where it does make things feel a little better yeah, coming up on the 55-14, maybe it's, like, 38-21. Yeah, and you feel a little better. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout. When we come back, we've got the post-game audio from Lance Leipold after the loss. This is RCST on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Coming up in the 4 o'clock hour, we've got Case of the Mondays. We'll recap the fun Chiefs win last night over the Chargers on Sunday Night Football. Uh, we got some more KU talk coming in the 5 o'clock hour and more audio to share for you coming up later in the show feels like forever ago but friday night was the last time we saw the ku basketball team they does, does it feel like forever ago because you don't want to remember it maybe that's what it is also though the fact that you had like uh, the ku football game saturday the chiefs game sunday after waiting all day for that's, the game a lot going today on. we've had the world cup and like maui invitational starting out like there's stuff going on all the time that yeah. it just even though it's been like three days with the amount of sports that have been packed in between those, it's almost like a week's worth of stuff like in between. Uh, yeah. But they take down Southern Utah 82-76, to a game that they almost lost. They were up 77-76. <laughs> Grady Dick hits a big three at the end. And uh, we didn't talk about this on air on Friday, but I think it, it's worth bringing up now because of how close they almost lost to a team that you wouldn't expect them to almost lose to. Is there a Nick Springer curse of going to KU basketball <laughs> games? Okay, so... To, to clarify what Derek's talking about is, over the course of my time at KU, when I was a student at KU, I, my record, actually, of KU basketball games that I physically attended was, like, kind of bad. Like, which they is, lost a lot of games that I, mean, I went to. Which is impossible to think about. They've only lost, yeah. like, 17 games In over, the South, class, yeah. over the last 20 years, and I have been present for, like, five of them, at least. <laughs> like, that's crazy. That's so was that crazy. your first game that you've been to this year? 
yes, because I did not go to Omaha. It would have been funny if you were like, oh, I, I just went for the first, like, 10 minutes of the Pitt State game, and then I left. I wasn't um, there for Pitt State either. Yeah. So, Omaha, I, I don't know. There, or, there's something go going on. State, because, yeah. again, it's it's one thing to be, oh, like, everybody, if you go to enough games, you're going to see losses. But to Not see that Fieldhouse. many, to see a handful, yeah. yes, at Allen Fieldhouse of games you've been going for a decade, like, that is wild. I'm trying to think in my time of attending games for KU, whether it was as a student, whether it was, you know, going as media, whether it's going just with a ticket, whatever it is, I think I've only seen one home Kansas loss. <laughs> really? Which, I mean, you're talking about, this isn't me, like, I, I'm not, like, a, a person who's, oh, I've been going to KU games since I was a kid. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, obviously, I've I don't go to... I've been going to KU to... games since I was, since 2013. Yeah. But like... still, one loss in, in, which I haven't been to every game, obviously, right? But one loss seen in, in, in person in home in 10 years, whereas you've seen, like, five in, like, five years is... Exactly. is like, yeah. Like, something I'm weird. like you. I, I don't go to every game. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't go to all the games, right? But... Arizona State, I was there. Oklahoma State, I was there. <laughs> Iowa State, I was there. That's that's three right there off the off mm-hmm. the rip. And You're I could almost probably, there for another. I could probably think of more. Yeah. So and that would have been the the creme de la creme. I don't think I should ever have been allowed back in Allen Fieldhouse mm. if, if they lost against Southern. Yes. Yeah, so if you see this man heading into Allen Fieldhouse, stop him. Okay. And- Side note: I was up <laughs> kind of up high. I didn't have very good seats for the mm-hmm. game. Whoever is in charge of like the heating and AC for Allen Fieldhouse. Dude, it was a sauna up there. I was like, it was like 95 degrees. I thought I was going to pass out a heat stroke. Dude, I don't know where you were sitting, but there was at halftime, some guy started uh, ripping a cigarette at halftime. That was certainly wild. Uh, I saw your tweet, around. but I didn't smell it. I, I think I was, yeah, it was on in, the Yeah, it was in one of the corners. Some guy at halftime. I, I don't know who it was. Um, yeah, certainly wild. Uh, but yeah, Jalen Wilson, 33 points. Yeah, anyways, the game. Yeah, so the game itself, not great for KU. There were a lot of deficiencies that were shown. Uh, but I, I think if you're looking for the biggest takeaway, like in three months, we're not going to look back on this and be like, can you believe they almost lost to Southern Utah? No. But, I mean, Southern Utah, admittedly, like, give them credit. They were they were pretty good. Yeah, like, like would it shock bad. you if Southern Utah was a team who ends up being like a 15 seed in the NCAA tournament and they no. like, you know, put a little bit of a scare for the first 12 minutes into the two seed that they played? No, like that not wouldn't be all. shocking. No. But Jalen Wilson going for 33 points, absolute takeover game. That was one of those games where he was determined to try to not let Kansas lose. Whenever it was a close moment, he would go down and, and score for you. He's been exquisite, I think, in the mid-range so far this season. But kind of the bully ball that he can play where he just drives to the rim and just like outstrengths you inside and just finishes contested layups. He continues to each and every game check the box of looking like an All-American and a National Player of the Year candidate. Yeah, and for anybody who wants to say, well, why is Jalen taking every shot? Why is he being a bullhog? For the 12th time, when you come down the court in the half-court offense and your lineup is Dewan, Bobby, KJ, Kevin McCuller, and Jalen Wilson, who do you want to shoot the ball? I'll tell you who I want to shoot the ball. Jalen. So don't be upset when he's shooting every play. Yeah, it's like, Okay, well, KU doesn't have as many off, uh, offensive outs. He's shooting 47% from the field. So, like, can we cool it? I'm in favor of letting him shoot more. Honestly. Truly. Yeah. Like, again, and a half when you're rolling game. out Dewan, Bobby Pettiford, KJ Adams, and Kevin McCuller as the other four guys, 
Who do you want shooting the ball? Yeah, and besides that's, Jalen, that's definitely something that became apparent in that game. That the the third option for KU, like who is it going to be? So Grady Dick had the hot start to the game. He was just making everything early, and then he he has that big three at the end. Grady Dick was was great on offense in that game. I still do have questions about Grady Dick on the defensive end, and and there were definitely times in that game yeah. where. Uh, he got toasted a little bit, especially late by Southern Utah. But again, the offensive duo of Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick, um, and because of how much you need Grady's offense, like he's going to have to stay on the floor. Yeah, it's obvious. Great. That, it's obvious that there's going to be some games where Grady is going to be a defensive liability. Yes, but it's but like, you're just going to need the offense. You're going you to have to walk the fine line of like, well, we have to score. Yeah, but also we don't want to let the other team score. Yes, so it's like pretty tough. Yeah, and that, that's but, where that's where I think MJ Rice has to come in. Like to me, MJ Rice. Is the it fits the blueprint of what KU needs him to become as the third option. Like mm-hmm. we talked about it, I think last week, where he's probably not going to be able to become a starter just because I don't know who you'd start him. I mean, listen, Kevin McCuller was bad. He was not good. Yeah, he when really struggled. At, when you, on when offense. you look at the stat sheet, you think, okay, he wasn't that bad, but he was rough. His shooting was really bad. He had five points in thirty-one minutes. He somehow managed to lead the team in rebounding, though. Yeah, but I was see, watching his body language after some of the possessions, and and he was just really struggling both men- both mentally and on the court. So here's the thing with Kevin McCuller. I-, I agree. Like he had too many turnovers. He wasn't good on offense. I will agree with that. But because of what he was able to do on the boards and he still was being a good defender, he ended up with an, an okay, I- a huge, you know, grain of salt because plus minus numbers for single game performances are very unreliable. He did have the best plus minus, I believe on the team. He was either first or second. So like, huh. Even in talking about this, like there still is a high floor there. But to your point on the Kevin McCuller stuff, with the conversation about who's going to be the third option, could it be Kevin McCuller? And I think what we saw in that game, they need it to be, or, or they need more <laughs> if offensively. If it's going to be McCuller, right? he needs to be. There needs to be more there. Seriously working on his on his offensive skills. His shot was not good at all. Period. And five points in thirty one minutes is bad. Yeah, they're they're gonna need more offensively there, and uh, I just you know, think MJ Rice has to become that. He has to become like your no, like your go to again. I guess your go to six man off the bench because Joe Yesifu struggled again. Like he, Joe Yesifu to me is quickly playing himself out of the rotation. It would we certainly about, help. We talked about guys playing into the rotation, but to me, yes, he's playing himself out. I think it kind of has to be Kevin McCuller. Here's why for me. So McCuller actually, he's he's uh, eleven of fifteen on either shots at the rim or dunks this year. But he is just five of nineteen on two point shots and threes, uh, two point shots that are not at the rim and threes. He's two of eight on threes. The jumper has to get figured out, and that's that's both for you know Kansas as a team and for his like professional prospects. And I think uh, that there still is more that can be untapped on his offensive side. The reason that to me he has to be the guy is because. I, I get what you're saying with MJ Rice, and I do think that he can add a lot to this team and can help them in that way. I do think the skill set would work that way. But I think because MJ Rice is going to struggle at times defensively and do some things that are going to get him in the, I guess, Bill Self doghouse. <laughs> no, and, that is true. Like, he's going to be a guy he, He's going to do some dumb stuff. He's going to sometimes shoot himself out <laughs> of the lineup. Like, in that game, it was just, he was, every time he touched the ball, he wanted to shoot it. He goes 0 for, 0 for 3 or 0 for 4, doesn't score, struggled shooting the ball in the game as well. Um, with Kevin McCuller, you're still getting good rebounding, elite defense. You're still getting a extra ball handler. You know, you would hope not for the five turnovers like he had. Uh, but I, I think because he's going to have such a huge role on the team, because you know he's going to be out there for so often in the game, 
Like, he would be the natural candidate. Now, yes. Dewan Harris kind of stepped up into that role in that I, game. He had 14 points. He had a lot of transition buckets. But I you're still not getting the outside scoring or the half-court create a shot for me in the half-court. Yeah, I, I don't think what Dewan did against Southern Utah is replicable very many more times this season. I just don't. Like, that's 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 not who he is. That's not who he was supposed to be. Like, I don't I – don't, you can't expect Dewan to score 14 every game. I don't think that's going to happen very many more times this season. So, uh, again, I think you still look at Jalen. You still look at Grady. Kevin McCuller, I, I understand where you're coming from, and I think he can get there as more of an offensive guy. But is Kevin McCuller ever going to become a, okay, we can get him the ball in the half court and he's going to go create a shot? I, I don't know. I don't think so, right? I think MJ Rice can definitely do that. Can definitely, you can give him the ball and he can go create a shot. Now, MJ Rice, like you said, is probably going to do some dumb stuff occasionally and, and get himself in trouble with Bill, but... To me, I think he. I think, in terms of, and it's the half court late in the game. You need a bucket. Jalen Grady, MJ Rice, McCuller can be a scorer. I think, and he could still end up averaging 10, 11, 12 points a game. I just don't think he's somebody you're going to want to have the ball late in the game to go score. It could be true. I I just don't know if MJ Rice will accrue the trust in the other areas to to even be in that position. <clears throat> um, I the one thing I didn't expect in the game because. You know, we've kind of known Kansas could have problems with with the scoring, like all the way through the lineup at different points. Was the defense to struggle? Struggled against uh, Southern Utah, and, and it's a team that you know they play quickly. They can really shoot it. They can stretch you out. But defense typically travels in games, and I, I guess the biggest worry was the the offensive glass. Southern Utah had fourteen to six offensive rebound advantage. Kansas just to me, it, it didn't really look like it was a, a problem of talent or anything. I think Kansas just kind of got outworked and. Yeah. Uh, we talked about on Friday there was a perfect letdown opportunity. You just played Duke. Next week you had the Bahamas. I think that's kind of what we saw. And yeah. I would expect a more spirited effort there. Like Kansas is, is probably not, if they're going to be playing small in the five or, or playing a center who uh, is a little bit you know younger and experienced than other teams, they're not going to probably be a great rebounding team. But you don't expect to be out-rebounded by Southern Utah, a team that does play small a lot of the time. That was just kind of an effort thing. I do want to say, uh, make one more point about the offense, and it's something that has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle, I guess, but Bill Self is coming back, right? And I think you have to bank on Bill Self returning, making a positive impact on the offense. I understand that, obviously, Bill Self's not a player. He's not going to be out there, right? But if we, if we are operating under the assumption that Bill Self is one of the best coaches in the country, which... We are. I think we both agree on that, right? Like him coming back on the sideline has got to be worth something, right? Offensively. So I don't. I don't know that it's not going to be like this huge drastic difference because I think Norm Roberts overall did a pretty solid job. I don't think anybody has any complaints about what Norm Roberts did, but I think you have to look at Bill Self coming back and say, okay, this should help the offense maybe in just in terms of getting unstuck, right? If they're having a, a bad couple bad drives or whatever, a couple bad possessions. You know, we, obviously, we know Bill Self is great with drawing up plays and things like that. Like, I think you have to bank on him ma- ma- having a positive impact on on the Kansas offense. And again, I'm not saying it's going to just be all of a sudden Cave's the greatest offense of all time because Bill Self's not going to be out there playing. But I think you have to look at him coming back and say, okay, this this is something that could give a boost to the offense. I think you're right there. Um, I you're going to need more from the bench too. Like that's part of it. Uh, what you mentioned with some of those guys off the bench. Bobby Pettiford had a uh, Tony Snell, which is like you play, <laughs> I think you played like 16 minutes. Oh, yeah. 
had zero points, zero <laughs> rebounds, zero assists, zero steals, zero blocks. Um, so that wasn't great. Um, but I do, I do still think Bobby Pettiford will be a, like a good player. But obviously, you need more than that. Like you said, Joe Yesvu, MJ Rice did not look good in his return. He was missing shots and everything. Um, I think that's going to be the case with MJ Rice. There's going to be some games where he's kind of inferno. There's going to be some games where it's kind of like that. And then you got nothing yeah. from the bench bigs. Like that was. You kind of hoped that after the Duke game, maybe you'd have a step forward. It was kind of a step back. Yeah, it's kind of curious. Ernest Uday specifically, like. I thought he was he played really well in the first couple games against Omaha, North Dakota State. And then in the Duke game and also now against Southern Utah, he looked kind of nervous, kind of skittish, kind of not as aggressive, right? And if you're going to be a rim runner type big running the floor, you need to be aggressive, right? So he's got to find a way to recapture that sort of element of, of his game in order to fully maximize what he can be, I think. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. This is RCST. Case of the Mondays, next. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. How am I supposed to calm down? Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chuck Sports Talk on KLWN on your Monday. We find out who is having a case of the Mondays today. Real quick before we get into it, if you're looking for the perfect destination for your next social or corporate gathering, Venue 1235 has you covered, located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Venue 1235, a large climate-controlled event space with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. All right, let's get into our case of the Mondays for this week. Uh, Not that this is a surprise, to be honest, but FIFA, FIFA is having a case of the Mondays. (laughs) Although, honestly, they're they're so, like, messed up that this is probably normal for them. Uh, so, if you missed the the, the FIFA president said some uh, stupid things the other day. The beer thing we talked about where they basically last minute canceled all the beer. The fact that this is even in Qatar to begin with, that it's taking place now in the winter as opposed to during the summer. Well, here's the latest along the line of FIFA and the World Cup being a mess this year. The FIFA app that stores where you keep your your tickets, like the digital tickets that uh, to get into the stadium if you're a fan in attendance. The app crashed, and thousands of supporters for some of the games today were unable to access their ticket. Oh. This according That's to ESPN. Good. An organizer of an American fan group told ESPN that tickets on the FIFA ticketing app, which fans plan to use to enter the stadium, quote, disappeared from accounts and also left fans unable to transfer tickets to individuals with whom they planned to attend the U.S. men's national team match against Wales, which kicked off earlier today. This is why paper tickets, physical tickets are better, Mm. are superior. You can't take it away if I have it in my hand, Mm -hmm. physically. So we need to go back to the the paper age. Yes. Notes on paper. We need to kill more trees. (laughs) We need to have more paper. Mm Mm-hmm. That way, nobody can take away my ticket when I have it. Yeah. I mean, you could lose it still. Well, that's your own fault. If you lose it, that's your fault. I guess people had to, like, wait in, like, super long lines at the whatever area that they try to fix this stuff. 
Okay, let's say you have a digital ticket, right? Mm-hmm. If you lose your phone, that's your fault, right? You've lost the ticket that way. It's true. Yeah. But if it if the ticket just gets removed from your phone, then you didn't lose it. Not my it. fault. It just got taken away. Yep. So uh, that's the latest in the line of, of FIFA messing things up. Uh, real quick, yeah, going through rough. some of the World Cup stuff. I guess it's not rigged. That's a positive. Qatar lost 2 nothing in the opener, despite some uh, conspiracy theories we'll, we'll being out there. We'll get more into this here in a second. I have a, I have a counter to what you just said. That it's not rigged? Yeah. Okay. Well, it, well, okay. It's hard to explain, but it's on the it's on the list of ma- case of the Mondays. Okay. So you uh, just want to get to it right now? Uh, one second. England smashed Iran 6-2. to two. We had uh, Netherlands beating Senegal this morning 2-0, to zero, and then U.S. got a 1-1 tie with Wales. What? Oh, part of the conspiracy theory ones? Okay, yeah. Let's just get to that one. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying the case of the Mondays for conspiracies mm-hmm. because there was this leaked idea that Qatar had paid off some people from Ecuador to win the game one nothing to yes. open the World Cup, right? Well, I have yeah. a counter to your the story was game. that it was going to be zero zero at the half. Qatar was going to score in the second half on like a penalty or something like that. And they were going to win, yeah. um, and that they yeah there were like eight players on okay. Ecuador that they offered like <laughs> millions of dollars in bribes to. I have a counter to that conspiracy. Okay, with another conspiracy, which is they intentionally leaked that information about the game being one nothing in favor of Qatar. In order to get better betting lines on Ecuador, who they knew was going to win because Qatar sucks. Oh, so you think that Qatar basically leaked their they own? A, they took yes. a dive. Yes. Interesting. I think that they leaked that they were going that that it was going to be one nothing Qatar and they were going to win, so that they would get better lines, better odds for Ecuador to win. Because when that news came out, a lot of people obviously were like, "Well, I might as well bet on Qatar now, right?" Yeah. So that probably shifted the lines a little bit, whatever. I don't think Boom. they have sports gambling there. They can't even drink beer. Dude, that's only for, like, not the rich people. <laughs> rich people can probably do whatever they want. <laughs> right? Okay, wait. If we do want to play into this conspiracy more, because I, I do think this is far-fetched. Again, this is a country where you cannot drink beer, <laughs> and it is, like, frowned upon to wear shorts and, like, I don't know, all sorts of stuff. Dude, they probably got bookies in every country in the world. But, okay, that said. If you do want to steer into this conspiracy that you just you just said there, okay, Qatar spent millions and millions of dollars to basically bribe FIFA to bring the World Cup there, right? Yeah. So they need to win it back somehow. Exactly. And Qatar would not have made the World Cup unless they would be hosting. You exactly. Know what I mean? Because right? they're, they're not bad. good enough. They're not good. So basically they came up with this plan. They were like, you know what? How do we as a country and how do we as, as rich people, they're all talking in the same exactly, room, yeah. make even more money? And they're yes. like, some guy comes up, I have a scheme. And he's like, what if We're we can figure out a way for, the, for Qatar to be in the World Cup so that we can make them take a dive and bet on them and double all of our money? And everybody's like, that sounds great, but how are you going to get Qatar in the World Cup? We're never good enough. And he goes on this long process of basically bribing FIFA, yep. getting them to bring the World Cup there, having yep. Qatar play in it, yep. and then this whole thing, and now so, they can basically, you know... Now they can just unload their entire right. bank account sure, on the other team. Sure, may have invested, I don't know how much, $100 million in, in getting, uh, you know, Probably the World that, Cup honestly. to come here. Sure, a billion dollars. But now we have $2 billion. We just doubled it. Now we, we net profited $3 billion. Exactly. So that's that's how the conspiracy... Plus, they're already going to be... Plus, like, yeah, they bribed... They bribed you know, FIFA to get to get the World Cup, mm-hmm. they're gonna make most of that money back, I would think, from the World Cup, though, right? With like fans and ticket sales and all that stuff. I don't know. I know a lot of times in the past, like when the Olympics are at a country, it actually like ends up costing them money, which I don't know what that goes into. Uh, I don't know if it's from money that 
is used to like build the stadiums because in oh, a lot yeah. of these yeah. these cases, like in the case of Qatar, they had to build a lot of these stadiums. Yeah, there was and it was really bad. Mm-hmm. Like there was bad stuff involved with that. Which is like, yeah, I mean, a bunch of people died building it and stuff. Yeah, um, it's pretty sad. But it's like, that's that's kind of why it should almost be only at a certain amount of countries who already have the infrastructure that you don't have to worry about that. But so I don't then, know if I it mean, makes money or loses If you money. do it that way, you the World Cup would be limited to like, what? The U.S., probably like one of the European countries, like England, I think and like that's it. U.S., maybe Brazil. Um, Mexico, I guess, maybe. Oh, maybe. Um, I mean, what, definitely how many, a lot I mean, of the how European many? countries, like England, Germany. I mean, they all they all have the facilities and stuff. I don't know. Do they have that many? Yeah. Are you kidding me? That's. I mean, that's the biggest sport out there. They have all okay, the soccer okay, facilities right, okay, built, right? Okay. I mean, I don't know. Spain, like I don't know. Um, it's just it's silly when we do it in, in some of these places that have to like uproot everything. To, but again, yeah. Maybe if that's your conspiracy, it was just their way of uh, well, like, making more like, money. Remember they they had the Winter Olympics in in China and like they had to make like fake snow and fake ramps and everything for like the slopes and stuff for like the, the skiing events. Mm-hmm. Like, that's 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 silly. All right, case of the Mondays for Mariah Carey. What? This is such a fascinating story. I know. So actually, this time of year is, I guess, depending when you know for Andy Cole. That's true. That's true. If, it if is you Mariah are, Carey season. If you are Team Andy Cole, Nikki, it yeah. started a month, three weeks ago. For others, it'll start on Friday. Yeah. Maybe for others, it starts in December. I don't know. Yeah. Do what you want. I'm a uh, Christmas music whenever you can. But Mariah Carey filed a petition to trademark the title Queen of Christmas, meaning that no one else would be able to use it. Her company, Lotion LLC, wanted to use that branding, as well as other terms, Princess Christmas and QOC, obviously the... Uh, okay, that's like the version. dumbest abbreviation I've ever heard. I know. Quack! Um, <laughs> for a range of products from fragrances and makeup, clothing, jewelry, dog accessories, and so much more. It proved controversial. At least two other artists known for their seasonal songs publicly took issue with it. Darlene Love. Who? Um, who? I don't know who Darlene Love is. I don't know, I don't know. either. And Elizabeth Chan. Who? Chan officially filed a motion in opposition to Carrie's request earlier this year on the basis she herself had repeatedly been dubbed the Queen of Christmas. Again, I, I don't know who that is. Um, <laughs> it already used the brand Princess of Christmas in connection with her young daughter. Carrie's team stayed largely silent. They had I... legal filings, and earlier this week, the trial trademark and appeal board finally made a judgment by default rejecting Carrie's trademark request. I am Team Mariah Carey here. What do you what do you mean? Mariah Carey's the I only... I mean, I have a counterpoint. I mean, besides Michael Buble, but obviously he's not well, he's be not a, the queen. queen, yeah. Exactly. Okay, so here's... <laughs> I saw somebody make this comment. You know who has a good case for Queen of Christmas? Who? Mrs. Claus? I saw that up there. Mary, the mother of Jesus. What? <laughs> I mean... More than Mariah Carey? Yes. No, give me a break. <laughs> Mariah Carey Christmas is literally Mariah the birthday has of Jesus. Way more, Mariah Carey has way more of a right to it than Mary does. Give me a break. So, Mary, I love your work, but the vocals. Exactly. It's got to be Mariah Carey. So, I don't know. Just interesting stuff. Not great for Mariah Carey. Case of the Mondays. Yeah. Uh, Josh Cribbs and Leon Washington. Case of the Mondays. Scoot out of the way. You no longer hold the NFL record. 
for kick return touchdowns, which, I, by the way, I, I do not remember Leon Washington at all. I don't even know who that is. I, I didn't either, and I was like, is that somebody who was like around in the 70s or something like that? Um, no, he played till 2014. For who? Let's see if I can find this. Uh, Seattle, New York Jets, New okay. England, and Tennessee. Okay. He apparently was tied with Josh Cribbs for the record. Eight kick return touchdowns for both. Cordero Patterson was tied for the record as well. He had his ninth in uh, Atlanta's win over Chicago on Sunday. So by Josh Cribbs and Leon Washington. I didn't realize when I was looking back on this, the way we talk about Devin Hester, and, and he's still it. Like, Devin Hester is the greatest return man of all time. But I just figured, like, oh, Devin Hester had the record for this, too, you know? But the, yeah. the, the way that Devin Hester did it was as a punt returner. He had 14 punt return touchdowns in his career, which is crazy. He had five as a kick returner, so he still had 19 total, which is just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I guess Cordell Patterson is the new king of kick returns. All right. Go, go Cordell Patterson. Mm-hmm. The kind of uh, the guy that can do it all. I think it's weird that, like, every guy, except for, like, Cordell Patterson might be the most successful of all those guys I named Josh Cribbs, Leon Washington, Devin Hester, in terms of a yeah. non-special teams player. Because, I know? mean, Hester was a wide receiver who I think, well, Barely. Didn't, he, didn't he play corner, too? Yeah, he started as a he corner and then transitioned to receiver. But he wasn't but, I mean, very good as wide no. receiver, I don't think. And Josh Cribbs, like, rarely hey, played. What about, what, about, what about Dante Hall from the Chiefs? But he, again, like, Dante Hall, great. One of the best returners of all time, too. But he never... Did much as like a receiver either. Yeah, I guess that's true. So I don't I don't know what it is. Like why you you would think that they would be good at everything. I guess maybe it's just like you don't guys who are I mean, good at everything just, like, but like like you're but, not gonna put Christian McCaffrey back there because you don't want him to get hurt. Like kick returning, obviously it's more of like a straight line speed thing, I feel like. Right? I mean that was Josh Cribbs. Like he was like a big guy, you know? Yeah. Well, and Cordero Patterson's a big a guy, shape. too. He just ran hard and ran straight and Cordero found Patterson's seams. Patterson's like 6'4". Yeah, he is. is. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Just, I don't know. Kind of a fearless nature. Get him dude. on the World Cup team. <laughs> He'd be a great winger. Exactly. U.S. wins that game if Cordero Patterson's oh, on the team. Oh, easily. 100%. Pushing the tempo on the outside. Uh, case of the Mondays for Ole Miss. They had 703 total yards of offense, <laughs> yet they lost by 15 and only scored 27 points. <laughs> they had three turnovers. Um, that's just remarkable to me. Even then, who were they? Who were they playing again? Who Arkansas. They Arkansas. Arkansas won forty-two twenty-seven. Uh, also, case of the Mondays. People who think Travis Kelsey isn't the best tight end in the NFL. Yeah, Remember all is, those conversations a couple years ago yep. with like, oh, George Kittle. Yep. Then last year was like, oh, Mark Andrews. Yep. Uh, no, every year it's oh, this tight end's better than Travis Kelsey. Oh, this tight end. Oh, this tight end's better. Oh, no, get out of here. Go away. These people even exist anymore? Can they exist? I mean, if they who, who exists anymore? And I mean, it must be a sad existence. If no, they, it's if stupid they if they do. Uh, unbelievable game last night, and we're gonna get to our Chiefs recap coming up here in a little Kelsey bit. Kelsey is uh, the best. Better yeah, than we'll Gronk. Get, we'll get more on Kelsey. Is he better than Gronk? Um, see, that's interesting. I I think yes because of the like. There is the longevity matters here, and Absolutely. Kelsey has done yes, it longer. Hundred percent. You could argue that like if you were just arguing. You know, I'm taking, like, hypothetically, in a one-year season, the peak version of one guy over the other. Maybe you argue Gronk because the passing was was similar. And, like, I, I think Kelsey has gotten a bad rap for, he oh, does. he's this no. soft tight end. He's people not a good enough he, blocker. People think he doesn't he's block. He's a solid run yes. blocker. People think he does not block. Right. I don't know where that came from. But I think Rob Gronkowski was, like, 
in his prime. He was like an elite run block. He was like an offensive lineman run blocker. So maybe you could argue like the peak season you take Gronk over Kelsey. I think it's comparable. Kelsey, though, to me, is the best tight end of all time and okay. what he's done. You take Gronk over I mean, you Kelsey. You can also argue like Tony Gonzalez, honestly, just for the longevity. Gonzalez has like all the tight end receiving records, right? And uh, we'll see if Kelsey can surpass those because that's going to be tough. But but to me, yeah, Kelsey is is the GOAT. From the Chiefs' perspective, Gonzalez is kind of soured, I think, on Chiefs fans. Yeah, is, yes. With his exit and everything. But, but yeah, he's still really good. He's yeah. Nick Springer. He was really good. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Chiefs recap next. Kansas City Chiefs won last night, 30-27. to 27. It was uh, quite the exciting finish for the Chiefs. We don't really do like MVP moments in the NFL. It's It really is the body work, and there's so many games. And, you know, you have trouble thinking back to like, oh, this guy won MVP. That was the game. That was the moment right there. Uh, we don't do that the same way we talk about like Heisman moments. Like if you got to win, if you win the Heisman, you got to have a Heisman moment. It was Bryce Young in the SEC championship against Georgia last year or, um, you know, Reggie Bush against like UCLA or Fresno State. Well, like there's always a Heisman moment for a guy and we make such a big deal about that. That doesn't happen in the MVP, but that was it for Mahomes against the Chargers. You're down 27-23, no Juju Smith-Schuster, no McCole Hardman, no Kadarius Toney, to a lesser extent, no Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and you slice through the defense in the key moments. You come up with the big play for a touchdown. And by the way, Heisman moment for Travis Kelsey as well. Both those guys should be legit. Like, Mahomes is the front runner right now to win MVP if you're looking at betting odds and whatnot. In my opinion, you could make a real case that Tra- or uh, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey should be one and two on that list. I never want to hear about Derwin James ever again. I mean, ever. he was doing a good job until that final play. Oh, the Kelsey, Kelsey killer. No, wait, what do you mean he was doing a good job? Kelsey had over 100 yards and three touchdowns. Did you not see the stat they showed during the game from the next-gen stats? I, I, I don't care. Doesn't fit my narrative. It was at one point in the game, and I don't know what it finished. It was like Kelsey went on Derwin James had uh, four targets, and there was just one completion for like four yards. And then the rest of his stats, so like 80 or 90 other yards, were when he was on someone else. The the play at the end there okay. was was on Derwin James that, that Kelsey caught for the touchdown. So that was even bigger deal that you did that. But I mean, to that point, Derwin James had done a, a good job against Travis Kelsey. He also got called for the holding that kept the drive alive. That's yeah, he did. against Travis Kelsey. No, I mean it's not going to be perfect. You're facing Travis Kelsey, but like, so give me a break. I don't ever want to hear about Derwin James ever again. I mean, he's probably the best safety in the league. Don't care. Doesn't fit my narrative. So Travis Kelsey and, and Patrick Mahomes said after the game too. He defends Kelsey better than any other player in the league. So, to that standpoint, he kind of is. But, no, is he he the Travis? Like, if you want to say he's the Travis Kelsey slower downer, that doesn't sound (laughs) as cool. Um, That's fine. But, yeah, no, you're you're not going to completely kill him out because he is that good. He is that good. It's going to be impossible to shut him down. Okay, so we agree Derwin James sucks. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, but, like, I don't know. I almost wish that you could give, like, MVP to one of those guys, an offensive player of the year to the other. If yeah. you if you have no problem putting Tyreek Hill up in the MVP discussion, then you should have no problem putting Travis Kelsey up there. Yeah, because, no. I, I don't know, it's, it's the same idea of, like, hey, last year Kelsey and Mahomes will put up big numbers and Tyreek Hill was part of it. Now he's somewhere else, so he can be part of it. I don't know. It's just, it's silly. Yeah, as it turns out, there's just a lot of really good players in the NFL. <laughs> like... Like I mean, last week it was oh Justin Jefferson with what he's doing with the with the Vikings and you know then there's Josh Allen obviously or whatever and and yet you still have Mahomes and Kelsey the be- certainly the best connection in the league 
Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. Kelsey the best tight end by far in the league. And in terms of just pure weapons, Kelsey's got to be up there as well. Top three, top five. It really is is funny that we've spent all this time talking about no Tyreek Hill and then even when all the receivers the Chiefs, were the injured. Chiefs offense is as well, good Travis as Kelsey is the number one. Yeah. He just is. Um, yeah, it's crazy. And that was it, it was a really balanced game, too, for the Chiefs. Like, you love the ability to be able to, at different times, commit to the run and, and see Isaiah Pacheco really just kind of gash the defense. And, and that's back-to-back games for him where he's looked really good. Yeah. Okay. It was first Chiefs 100-yard rusher in, in a long since, time. Uh, since week four of 2021. Mm-hmm. Okay, a couple thoughts on the run game. Pacheco, there's no doubt about it, has looked really, really good and has definitely cemented himself as the best running back in terms of just pure, we're going to turn around and hand it off to you and you're going to get some yards, right? But I, I don't want to overreact to what he did against the Chargers too much because we, we talked about it actually in our preview on Friday. The Chargers defense is 31st in the league against the run. They're a really bad run defense, and they have been a bad run defense all season long. So the success for the Chiefs, to me, is almost a little bit expected, right? Now, we know the Chiefs have struggled against the run, so it, it was obviously very nice to see that, but I don't want to look into it and be like, oh, well, the Chiefs' run game is suddenly going to be like a a, a a cornerstone of the offense or this really, really great aspect of the offense. Like, I think it's still going to be a lot better with Pacheco because Pacheco's now had consecutive weeks, like you said, where he's been really good, but I don't want to read too much into it and think that all of a sudden the Chiefs are going to be a team that's going to be able to just run against anybody in the league because the Chargers' defense is bad against the run. It is. They have been bad against the run. Would league. it make you feel better if I told you, because, like I said, this is now back-to-back weeks. I mean, Pacheco, so Pacheco, Pacheco averaged eight yards a carry last, last night. Well, and that's the thing. It's like if you're playing someone bad, you should be able to take advantage bad. of their weakness. Right, make yes. them look bad. And so I think that was the point there that, you're right, the Chiefs are never going to be a run-dominant team, but when you play someone who is bad against the run, like be able to take advantage of it. Yeah, and, and, and they, they did that last they night, did. Yeah. which was good. Uh, would this also make you feel better, though, when, when you go back to the back-to-back weeks? Jaguars are eighth in the NFL in yards allowed per carry. No, that, no, that's good. No, Pacheco, like I said, Pacheco has definitely cemented mm-hmm. himself as the the bell cow back. And Clyde got hurt, so that's not great for him. I wonder yeah. if we finally see Ronald Jones. I guess it'll depend if, if Clyde is out or not. Yeah, I don't know. Not that he'll be like the bell cow or anything. Because Melvin Gordon got cut by the Broncos. Is that no? Is that not at all. for you? <laughs> not one bit. I guess maybe like sign him and be like, hey, well, you want to give us the Broncos well, here, playbook? Well, here's what I'll understand. Although, You've do already, they really need that? I don't know. Listen, if you're the Chiefs, you've already tried the old and washed running back strategy multiple times. Go with and the it has young literally, and yeah. It has literally failed every time. Le'Veon Bell, LaShawn McCoy, even Ronald Jones. I mean, Ronald Jones isn't old and washed, but he's, you know, he's. I guess he is kind of washed. I don't know. He, he kind of sucks now after he was kind of good. <laughs> and then you got Melvin Gordon, who definitely fits the category of old and washed. No, no, no Melvin Gordon, please. Yeah, um, no old and washed. Let's stick with Yeah, Pacheco. just stick with Pacheco. He's He looks good. Uh Jeb McKinnon has looked good outside of the fumble. Which, yeah, he's been which, good. Yeah, the fumble was problematic. The fumble I, was bad. I, I just wish. I, I don't know. It's classic Chiefs, though. They get a big play on defense, and then they just find yeah. a way to muck it up. They have the special teams whiff with Pacheco, who was good besides that. Which yeah, was, that was really dumb. Again, the special teams continue. That was really, really dumb. What's What was even more dumb about that is he intentionally tried to like stay in bounds. Yeah. If he catches it out of bounds, they yes. get it at 35. He could have either let it go and it probably yes. bounced out of bounds, or yes, yes what, what you're talking about, which well, we see occasionally, and the guy like puts one foot out of bounds and listen, catches it. I like Chris Collinsworth, but one of the dumbest comments he made of the night was, well, that right there is why more NFL teams should cough and corner kick like that. No, they should <laughs> like, not do it that. It should have went out of bounds. Because it would have yeah. just gone out of bounds. Yes, you're 100%. Um, 
I, I think it's funny, too, sometimes when we, because I was thinking about this the other day, when we're like, oh, there's a rookie mistake for guys. And I'm sitting there like, why, why do we reset the clock? Because, I, you know, when, when high school, like you're doing high school games and, and a kid's a freshman or a sophomore, and you're like, well, it was just a young player mistake. But by the time he's a senior, <laughs> you're like, well, he, you know, it's an experienced team. They're not going to make mistakes. But then the next year, the player goes from being experienced to now all of a sudden as a freshman in college, it's like, oh, he made freshman mistakes. Uh, but the game is still the same, and then and then they go from being a senior in college to where it's like, oh, they're experienced players, they know how to play the game, and then they get to the NFL and they're a rookie, and it's like, oh, he just completely Listen, forgot everything. I think we just need to circle back to the sign that I need to tap in the studio, which is, don't return kicks! <laughs> My God! Don't return them! Don't put anybody back there! <sighs> just keep your entire return team on the sideline. I definitely thought it was weird, though, that they, and I, and I know Dave Tobe talked about this the week leading up, that they were going to try to move Pacheco off kick return because he's. Well, yeah, more you don't want your starting running, running back, back right? to be a, your kick return. So I don't know what was up with that. Maybe, I don't know, maybe the idea was eventually move Tony there, but now we'll see with his then injury. Sky Moore was out there returning a punt Which that he almost muffed, by the way. scary, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was, it was like, oh no, Sky Moore returning a punt in a dome again. Not good. Um, but speaking of Sky Moore, was that a breakout game? Five catches, right? I mean, well, he was one of only two receivers left helping like on the roster. had to throw it to somebody. <laughs> okay, here's what I'll say about it was like a, It was like an NBA player on a bad team where it's like, he averaged 18 a game. He, is he good or is it just that like somebody had <laughs> to score the 18 points? Here's what I would say about Sky Moore. I thought his emotions were really telling is that he was really fired up to be out there. He looked like he was really excited to be out there, right? So this leads me to believe, I think, that maybe Sky Moore has been having – more issues on the mental side with like and and probably the fact that he struggled in punt return filters into that of like he's he's got a lot of talent but maybe he's kind of in his own head a little bit and that's why the Chiefs haven't been really letting him play as much as we we thought he might play right like that that was kind of how I read it is like because like he came out there he was fired up he looked excited like it seems to me that maybe he's just he's just one of those players that is really plays through his emotions right and so it's maybe kind of more of a roller coaster of ups and downs. And maybe a game like this can kind of get him, you know, confident and get him feeling good and get him kind of in the saddle, so to speak, for for the Chiefs because he did he did look good. He made some nice catches and he and he was in sync with Patrick Mahomes and made some good plays and and yeah, if he can turn into that, then that would be great, right? But that was kind of my takeaway is like, okay, here's a player, a young player who maybe was getting in his head too much, right? Like maybe was just kind of dealing with more of the mental side of the game and not having a lot of confidence in himself. And especially with the muff punts, like I said, and all that, and maybe this type of game—I don't know that. I mean, breakout game is probably not the right term for it, but maybe it's just a game where it's like he's like, "Okay, yeah, I've arrived. I'm an NFL receiver. Like, I can do this. I can make these plays." And maybe that'll kind of help him get more involved. Yeah, because for the breakout part, it's like, well, Juju could be back in any moment, and then in a couple weeks, McCole Hardman could be back, and it's like then he could go back to being the number four, or number five, and and maybe it's not you know leading to linear progression. But yeah, you're right. It's it's nice to know that that's in there. The five catches for 63 yards. He did beat like Derwin James a couple times. Made some big catches throughout the game, whether it was a third down or or toward the end of the game. Um, hey, if we're gonna talk about Sky, we got to talk about Mr. Harvard, Justin Watson. Justin Watson's been awesome for this team. I mean, and and that's the thing with with this receiver group. It's that yeah, they don't have the Tyreek Hill anymore, but they have a lot more depth. That if there are injuries, which there were, they have guys that can fill in and, and still play a comparable job. And that and also just. Having Mahomes, obviously. That, that's the big help, right? It just <laughs> raises the floor on everyone. It really, makes it really, really helpful. Yeah. So uh, MVP t- type of stuff from, from-
from Patrick Mahomes and, and Travis Kelsey. I, I thought the defense actually, like, obviously the drive you get up the touchdown was not good, and, and they just kind of sliced through you. Although, it really just boiled down to one play for me on the defensive side. Like, the third and 18, you had them in the situation <laughs> you wanted. And why the hell on third and 18 are you putting a fourth-round rookie cornerback one-on-one with Keenan Allen? That was not smart. Yeah. But outside of that, you know, th- this defense is not like an elite defense. Um, I did see with, with Trent McDuffie in the lineup, they're giving up just 20 points per game. Which He's so good. That's more than good enough for And Ladarius Sneed is also very good. I love Ladarius Sneed. He just does a little bit of everything. He's a critical part of, the, of this. He really does. He, he just does a little bit of everything. And um, the defense, the, the ask of the defense has never been be an elite defense no. because you have Patrick Holmes. It's be good enough, make some key stops for us, and just hit the bar of what we need to be a Super Bowl winner. And I think they are that. I, I think they do hit that bar, especially yes. when you look at Chris Jones. Like, Chris Jones, yes. absolute force so far this season. Yes, I harped on this a lot in the preseason when we talked about the defense. Of Chris Jones needed to be the best player on the defense for the defense to reach their ceiling, right? And so far, he has answered the bell big time, right? Like, he's been the—he's certainly in the last month, he's been the best player on the Chiefs defense, I think, mm-hmm. every week, right? And again, I talked about this in the preseason too. When, when I say Chris Jones needs to be, meet, be the best player, I don't mean that he needs to be having two, three sacks a game or getting a bunch of tackles, right? Like, as, from the defensive tackle position, he can do so much that doesn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet, just creating havoc, creating disruptions in the offense. And that's exactly what he did against the Chargers. There was multiple times where in the middle, with the middle pass rush, he disrupted the pocket and caused Justin Herbert to make a throw off balance. Even the last play of the game that the Chiefs got an interception on with Nick Bolton, it was Chris Jones that caused it. He came up the middle, forced Herbert to the outside. Frank Clark came off his block, and Herbert had to make a throw under duress that got tipped and intercepted, right? So, yeah, I, I can't tip my cap enough to Chris Jones with what he's done. I, I think he's been phenomenal, and he's exactly what the Chiefs have needed to be so far this season. I just hope he can keep it up. Yep. So, I mean, all around, Chiefs come up with a big win. You had the also, opportunity. Also, Chiefs are like minus 18,000 to win the AFC West, and it's not even That's crazy. That is crazy. Yep. Uh, everybody added all this talent and spent all this money in the offseason. You had all these, you know, Devontae Adams. Oh, that sucks. Russell Wilson. Oh, that sucks. Yep. Justin I, Herbert. I don't know. That that sucks. And that's what that game was. You know, the, the Chargers were playing with a sense of urgency. And every time the Chargers play the Chiefs, I don't know what it is. They play like they are a legit Super Bowl contender. And then every other game, they suck. So well, I, I mean, I think, I think at this point, we've definitely reached the territory of the Chiefs where it's just because they're the best team, they get everyone's best shot. Like teams, it feels are, like it's get raised up. with the Chargers, though. I don't know. No, I hundred percent agree. I think probably because it's a division game on top of that, but but, but right, yeah, it teams, happens with the Raiders. Teams right? get up for the Chiefs mm-hmm. every week. Basically, you have to deal with that. And now you have stepped on the AFC West throat. You are up three games on the Chargers, more on everyone else. You have the head-to-head tiebreaker, big time game, big time final drive there with Patrick Mahomes. One Travis seed. Kelsey. Here we come. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk NFL Monday Overreactions next. About a quarter till five, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Coming up in the five o'clock hour, we're going to have some more KU football talk. we got some KU basketball and KU football audio to get to you as well. But it is a Monday, so let's overreact to what happened in the NFL with our NFL Monday <coughs> reactions. What do we got this week, Nick? All right, I'm kidding with the music. Hang on. Here we go. Here we go. All right, first up, the Cowboys. Best team in the NFC. They just blew out the Vikings. Destroyed them. Annihilated them. Absolutely obliterated them. What other verbs can you use? Obliterated, mm-hmm. annihilated, destroyed, owned, crushed. 
They're the best team in the NFC. Yeah, I think so. Um, I know record-wise, the Eagles and, and still the Vikings are ahead of the Cowboys. And you can say, oh, it was just one game, whatever. Um, I think it is the Cowboys. I mean, you look at the, the loss they had to the Eagles. It was without Dak Prescott. I kind of think they're going to beat them when they have the return meeting. Um, Eagles haven't looked as good the past few weeks. I mean, it's not just that the Cowboys beat the Vikings. They beat the Vikings. Yeah, what, yeah like what I said. Could you go as far to say the Cowboys are the best team in the NFL? No. Why not? Because the Chiefs are better. I would have worries in a meeting with the Cowboys about... Because the Cowboys' biggest strength defensively, they have an unbelievable defensive line. They do. Micah Parsons, unreal. Dorrance yep. Armstrong, great season from Kansas. He has uh, seven sacks, I think, which is uh, a career high. Um, oh, what's the other good defensive end? Demarcus Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence. Like, they have a really good front four. And that's been the key to at least having some success on the defensive end against the Chiefs' offense. It's getting pressure without blitzing. Yes, exactly. And I think they could do that. I'm not saying the Chiefs would lose. I, I just think it would be a very good game, and it would be a tough matchup for the Chiefs. So, uh, But I, I think you could... At the very least, say you could make a real argument they're number two, right? Okay. Because they just blew out the Vikings who beat the Bills. They did, yeah. They did just blow out the I know it doesn't always work transitive. They blew out the Vikings at the Vikings. I still think Buffalo is a better team than Minnesota, even though they lost that game. Um, so if I was power ranking right now, you'd probably go like, I still probably might put the Bills number one, okay, honestly. This, this wasn't on our list of overreactions, but yeah. I'll just throw this at you real quick. Okay. Home field advantage does not matter in the NFL. Yes or no? Oh, um, it. I'm trying to think how to work. I think it does matter. I don't think it matters like a ton. It's not everything. Okay. But I think it matters some. Okay. We'll, we might circle back to that at some point later on. Anyways, sticking with Dallas, follow me here. Okay. Tony Pollard. He's Christian McCaffrey, but mm. with an overly paid running back in front of him that takes away some of his touches and also always mm. vultures him at the goal line. Yeah, that does happen. Um, I... Man, that he is Christian McCaffrey. I don't know about that, but I actually, I legitimately do think Tony Pollard might be a top five running back in the NFL. So I actually don't know that this is that crazy of an overreaction. Like, here's some stats on it. He is 11th in the NFL in rushing yards. He is ninth in rushing touchdowns. But he is just 23rd in carries. So, like, he's not getting nearly the um, amount of touches that you would think his production would indicate. Among players with 100 or more carries... The only players averaging more yards per carry are Justin Fields and Khalil Herbert. And he has also uh, been a good receiver. He had over 100 receiving yards against the Vikings. He is 10th yep. among running backs in receiving yards, despite having just 31 targets. Next closest to him of those top 10 has 41, and seven of the nine ahead of him have 49 or more targets. So, like, he's, he's getting underutilized because they're using Zeke Elliott so much. And if Zeke Elliott wasn't being paid so much... They probably wouldn't be using him as much. Here's what I'll say about Zeke Elliott. First of all, full disclosure, he's on my fantasy team. <laughs> Secondly, I love the way they use Zeke Elliott. Keep giving him the ball at the goal line. That's all I care about. I mean, I think it's great. Okay, the Vikings are frauds, but only when they play not at 12 p.m. Okay. Um, I kind of think they might be frauds, period. You know, we had, <laughs> we had I forget if it was last week or two weeks ago, we had the question or, or the overaction. That the Titans were the the, the best worst best team. worst team or, or the, the worst, no, the worst best, best team, team. Worst, one of those worst two. good team. I kind of think that might be the Vikings. Only when they don't play at twelve a.m. though. Twelve p.m. though, right? I guess. Yeah. To circle back to your to your Vikings comment, the Vikings are eight and two with a minus two point yeah. differential. They are negative in point differential, and they are eight and two. Even the Jets are like plus eleven. 
Like, how's that even possible? I don't even understand how that's possible. I mean, I guess you lose by 37 is how it's possible, but like, man, that's crazy. They've been smoked in their. Uh, their what was their other loss? Their other uh, loss was losses, Eagles. Oh, and they were 24 to 7. But yeah. they're also not like blowing out the teams they beat. Like, no, they're, they're barely not. beating yes. these teams, no. which I get it. It's the NFL. Like, not every game is going to be a blowout for you, but if you're that good of a team, you would get a so couple of So you think they're just frauds regardless of whatever, time, frauds. whatever yeah. time they play? Yeah. It's kind of where I'm going. No faith in Kirk 12 p.m. Cousins? No, not really. No faith in Kirk noon game Cousins? No. No faith in not at Kirk all. 1 p.m. Eastern game Cousins? No, I, I think they kind of got exp- – <laughs> I don't know. I, I do think if, if Dallas is that good, like if at the end of the day their two losses are the two other best teams in the NFC, is it that big and of a deal? they've blown out by both of them. Though. Yeah, that's the problem. Okay, okay. All right. Do you think the Vikings are frauds? I think they're going to lose in the first round of the playoffs. I think that, that would mean they're that, frauds. Does that make them frauds? Yeah. Okay, then I guess I guess I think they're frauds. Okay. Okay, Justin Herbert is the most overrated quarterback in the league. Ooh. I kind of like this one. Yeah, I'll be honest. I I might actually be able to get on board with this. I mean, it's it's when you use the term overrated and underrated, it, it is such a like It's subjective, obviously. It is so subjective, right? It's like what classifies you as overrated or underrated, right? Like this year you could argue Aaron Rodgers is very sure. overrated, obviously. Tom Brady even, I don't know. <laughs> Matt Stafford right now, you probably argue yeah. him. Yeah. I think there is some credence to this because the way that he gets tossed around, yes. it's he, like he is in the same tier or right adjacent to it with Patrick Mahomes. Yes. Like, and I don't like think it's is. like when people are like, oh, the next up and coming superstars, quarterbacks of the league. It's always yeah. Max Mahomes, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. Yes. And it's like, and me, I don't know that he's on that are, level. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, yeah. I think they're not even on, on the same tier. And yes, I will I will give Justin Herbert this. In the games that he plays against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, he plays really well. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason we get overrated. But like, it is the overall body of work. And are we just going to forget some of these games that uh, coming into it, the four games prior, he was averaging like five point something yards per attempt, which was. If that were over the course of a season, it would have been like half a yard lower than Joe Flacco, who was the uh, <laughs> lowest ranked among qualified quarterbacks. So, like, this is a guy who who has struggled against a lot of other teams. And again, like, this is a team that went nine and eight last year, and the year before that, he's never made the playoffs, right? I don't think. Why so, are no. we lumping him into this conversation? Just yep, another. The other issue. Oh, go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, I feel like he is more in the line of right now. If you want to say he's like a top 12 quarterback, okay, I'm on board with that. But I think too many people are willing to just be like, oh, top five quarterback. And, yes. and I'm not willing to go there yet. The other issue for Justin Herbert is he plays for the Chargers. <laughs> I mean, he plays for the Chargers. Sorry. Sorry, bud. Yeah. I mean, I mean, listen, Justin Herbert right now is right on track to literally copy Phillip Rivers' career. That's actually Be good. a really great quarterback, uh, arguably maybe a Hall of Famer, but never do anything in the playoffs or win any big games. Yeah. I just, yeah, I, again, it's it's the consistency for me. Like, if you want to be in that conversation, you can't just do it against the Chiefs or whatever. You have to be able to, like, they got blown out by the Jaguars. You know what I mean? Like, uh, who is it they played um, right before the Chiefs? The uh, Niners. The, the Niners. You, and they were no points in the second half, right? Yeah, like, yeah. there has to be more to it than just stepping up in the occasional big game against the Chiefs. Okay, so keeping with quarterbacks, the New York Jets absolutely must draft a quarterback mm. in 2023. Yeah, Zach they have, they, have to, they have to get off the Zach Wilson train. So it's only year two, and I guess you could say, like, oh, Josh Allen broke out in, like, I forget if it was year three or year four, right? Yeah. 
that is more of the anomaly than the norm. I feel like for the most part, you at least see, it doesn't mean your guy has to be a star by year two. Like, I think for the superstar superstars, like Patrick Mahomes of the world, you do need to see some flashes early. But there are guys who turn into, you know, quality quarterbacks after a few years of struggling. But to the level that he struggled and not really shown any, like, can you name one game where Zach Wilson's been like, that was a game where he at least looked good? Like, Justin Fields, oh, he's made back-breaking interceptions the last two weeks. But he's had some and good he's games. he's had some good flashes, yeah. right? He's had some good games. Or, like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of, like, a past example of a guy who's, like, good now. Um, and, and maybe it was, like, up and down from kind of the get-go. Um, hmm. I don't know. I'll think on it. But the point is, like, he has not shown, like, anything along the way. At any point, I think the other issue for the Jets here is there's not a there's not really like a bona fide guaranteed good quarterback coming out in this class. Is no, there? that's tough, right? Like so Will, Will Levis is like, I mean, Will Levis really? Like, yeah, Bryce Young. I don't know. I don't. I think there's questions about Bryce Young now. Like, there's just it's the I don't know. If there was a, I mean, if there was like a bona fide, you know, elite quarterback or a couple of elite quarterbacks coming out like yes but I, I don't know I mean I mean like seriously uh, is are is Will Levis for sure no. going to be better than Zach Wilson no probably not and the problem there too is they're not going to be picking high enough they're gonna have to like trade up if they want one of the if they want like, even Bryce Young maybe that's a good point because of the fact that that's true they have, at they're least, six and four they're gonna have like a middle of the first round pick. yeah I mean Zach Wilson maybe you just give him your three and you say because the 2024 QB class and I, I I'm Grain of salt here because we do this with every QB class. Once <laughs> well, you get another that QB class, is going to be the best. Yes, it's always the next year's is like, oh, it's going to be really good. And then we get another year tape on these guys, and we start scrutinizing them more because it's more real because they're going to be drafted, and then they don't look as good. But that class has the potential to be really good with Caleb Williams and Drake May, who look yep. really exciting so far. Um, so maybe you just say, hey, we'll give another year. So yeah, that probably is a bit of more of a reaction, but he was really bad. Nine of 22. They had more punts than he had completions. Gross. <laughs> okay, Dan Campbell. Plays against DeAndre Swift in fantasy every week and therefore never wants to use him. <laughs> this goes back in line to the Cowboys conversation, right? DeAndre Swift is it's not to the level there. Like DeAndre, well, Swift, DeAndre Swift has also been dealing with some injuries. He has, he has. And Swift isn't to the level of Tony Pollard. And also Zeke is like better than Jamal Williams, I would say. But the fact that Jamal Williams has 12 rushing touchdowns, which is literally the best in the NFL. Jamal Maybe. Williams. Have you considered that Jamal Williams is just good? Is he though? Like, hey, I'm not. Well, saying, I'm just saying. Fine. Like, everything you said has been like, oh, well, maybe Jamal Williams just sucks, but they just keep giving him touchdowns. Like, what if he's just good? I mean, for his career, Jamal Williams is at 812 carries. I would say that's a pretty good sample size. He is averaging 4.0 yards per carry, which is about like, like the what aggressively average. Yes, this season he is averaging 4.2 yards per carry, which he's getting all these goal line carries. So some of the the yards per carry is going to go down. I will give you that, but like. He's, that's my point. He's basically an aggressively, he's an average running back, but he's getting all the goal line carries. And I don't think that's fair to DeAndre Swift. Okay. I don't. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you feel that way. Do you have DeAndre Give Swift on your fantasy team? I have him on one of my teams. I didn't even, <laughs> I mean, he wasn't starting for me last week, but it's it's annoying, man. At least give Swift the couple, does all the work, gets right. he down. He'll have like a 20-yard run to get from the 25 <laughs> to the 4, and it's like, okay, Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams time. time. Three straight times up the gut. Do you remember Mike Tolbert? Yeah. That's like Mike Tolbert, man. Oh, my gosh. Mike Tolbert yeah. would fit, his stat line would Ultimate be like vulture. three carries, eight yards, two touchdowns every week. Okay. Sp- speak, keeping in line with the with the Lions, they played the Giants. They beat the Giants. The New York Giants are the frauds we thought they were or we know they are. Agreed. I saw what? Th- Disagree. Mm. 
I mean, think, yeah. No, wait, I, I wait, think they're frauds. What do you mean? How are they frauds? They had one bad game. Yeah, but it was a really bad game against a team who's not that good. The Lions are on a four-game win streak. Three, the Lions, and the they're Lions, still four and six. The Lions could be like eight and three right now. But they're not. They're they four could and be, six. though. They could be. I mean, well, that doesn't even check out. They could be seven and three. Okay, Giants' upcoming schedule at Dallas, loss. Loss. Washington at home. Loss. Well, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, Washington's good. Philadelphia at home. Loss. At Washington. They're, okay, they'll they split, split with Washington. They split one of the two. They'll split. They'll split. So they're one and three over the next four at Minnesota. Is it at noon? Oh, they don't mess It is at noon. noon. Okay, loss. They're, so not, they're mean, not beating Kirk Cousins at, at 12 o'clock. Okay, well, that's one and four over the next five. And then they finish up with the Colts at home and at Philadelphia. Man, they could really finish the year like two and six, which would put them at nine and eight. I think that classifies as frauds if we just pick them to do that. I'll just leave it at that. That's tough. Okay, well, I don't know. Counterpoint, I like I like Danny Dimes. (laughs) He was bad though. I like him though. He's just he's he's a likable guy. (laughs) He's interesting. He's kind of like a uh, I don't know. He's like he's like I was gonna say he's like a different type version of James Winston. Like Like, the game style is very different. Daniel Jones like runs the ball. He's not that good, but he's like no, it's just fun to. But he he does interesting (laughs) things, which are not always good for the Giants. But it makes it. You're right. It does make it a little interesting for the uh, the term interesting is good because it's definitely not always interesting in a positive way. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, last one. Lamar Jackson should be an MVP candidate because he made Demarcus Robinson look good last week or this week, um, yesterday. So, yes, this is an overreaction to the standpoint of you should not be getting MVP votes just because you make somebody look good. But, like, yeah, you do get credit for this. How okay. is Demarcus Robinson over the last four games, 19 catches for 231 yards. He had nine for 128 against the Carolina Panthers. If you put that out over his last four games to a 17-game season pace, 81 catches, 982 yards. Okay, I'd like to make two counterpoints. Okay. Number one, it's Carolina. Yeah. Okay? Bad. The Panthers. Okay, there's there's number one. Number two, the Ravens don't have anybody else to throw to anyways. But Bateman's injured. Andrews is injured right now. So, of course, name. Marcus Robinson is going to get targets. They yeah. don't have anybody else. I would get 19 catches for the, <laughs> the Ravens in four games. Wait, I can't catch, actually, so no, I wouldn't. Well... Yeah, I, I agree. This is an overreaction. But uh, Lamar Jackson, he dealt with some uh, I don't Listen, know, sickness stuff this week. Lamar, Lamar Jackson's on good. my fantasy team. He sucks. Wow. Definitely not an MVP candidate. He needs to be a lot better. <laughs> He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek I'm in, I'm in an intense playoff race here. Come on, mm. Lamar. Turn it up. Two hours down. One to go. We got more KU football talk coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. This is RCST. 5 o'clock hour, this is RCST on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. going to get to some KU football stuff here in a second. I just saw this, though, and I wanted to bring it up. USA tied with Wales 1-1 in the World Cup. Yep. Uh, this from Pete Gillibrand, which I don't need to cite him, I guess, because it's just a fact, stat, but whatever. Uh, yep. A reminder that the population of the USA is 332 million. Wales has 3.2 million. So regardless of what you think about Hey, if only we had the best athletes playing soccer. It shouldn't matter. It should not matter. <laughs> the entire USA basically lost to the city of Chicago. <laughs> like, even if it's the fifth or sixth sport, when you have that many people, I I don't know, man. They should be good. They should be better than that than Wales. <laughs> I'm sorry, no offense, Wales. If we have any Wales residents, well, again, if you go by that logic, the United States should be one of the best teams in the entire world, like top five. 
I mean, they've got the maybe top population. ten. I mean, there's a there's a lot of countries with big populations, right? Like who? More than three hundred thirty million? Well, that are okay. So it's it's if you say three hundred thirty million, but then let's say it's the fifth best sport, right? That's got to be equivalent to like I, I would put it this way: How many people in the U.S. do you think play soccer? It's it's some low ten million. I don't know. Five million. It's got to be a decent amount. Two million. Well, like, how do you define playing soccer? Are we counting, like, the peewee kids that are running around yeah, there and yeah, they can't right. hit the broadside of a barn? Yes, but I'm just saying, like, in general, in the whole population. I don't know. I, I guess that's a really hard question to answer. It is a really hard Let's question say it's answer. even a million. It's got to be way higher than a million. Okay, let's say it's two million. It's got to be, like, five million. Okay, million. five. Great. That's bigger than the entire population of whales. Because what? I mean, I'm not even going to try to do math. I don't know, I dude. I'm just saying. Anyway, okay, KU football. Loses to Texas 55-14 to 14 yeah, the on real, Saturday. Yeah, the real football. The real football. Uh, Jalen Daniels comes back, and obviously it didn't look quite the same with his ability maybe not to run as much. Um, I don't know if that was a kind of coaching decision to try to protect him or if that was a him decision and, and not wanting to, to take hits or whatnot. Maybe it was a concerted effort to do just that to make sure he's healthy for this game against Kansas State or maybe even the bowl game coming up. I don't know. I just I, – I hope that – because I, I know they're uh, – I don't know. I'll, I'll just confront this. There There's kind of a rumor going around about maybe that Jalen Daniels' camp and his family don't necessarily want him to be playing right now. And I would just say this. That might be true. It might not. I don't know. But here's the deal. This is football. And if Jalen played on Saturday, I don't think it was the coaches saying, hey, you're playing or we're pulling your scholarship. Like, there is a certain amount of accountability where he probably wanted to play. And Lance Leipold spoke with the media today. We'll share that audio for you coming up later this hour. Jalen basically had was, like, begging to stay in the game. So... Just to quickly address that rumor, again, there might be some some truth to it, and, and maybe from a family perspective, like, obviously, you know, if, if your kid is dealing with an injury, like, you want to be protective, right? Um, but I do find it interesting that um, you kind of weave in the idea that we didn't see, like, everything that we were used to seeing with Jalen Daniels, but I kind of just chalk it up, <clears throat> to be honest. Like, I'm kind of at a point where, yeah, it didn't look the same, also, I wouldn't expect it to look totally the same. Like, it'll probably be a full off season, maybe before it looks the same, or maybe the time off for the bowl game looks the same. But he's also shaking off rust, and yeah. uh, I guess I'm, I'm kind of more so waiting to see what the Kansas State game looks like. I don't know, man. I broke my collarbone playing flag football when I was nine, and my dad wanted me to get back out there. He <laughs> said, get out there. Finish the game. I was like, dude, I can't raise my arm. Like, what do you want me to do? So I don't know how true that is. Well, I mean, the stats look good for Jalen, but yeah, it didn't look like the guy we saw uh, early in the season. Obviously, the defense really struggled for KU in that game. Yeah. Couldn't contain the running game at all. That's not just a worry for the one game. That's been a worry for a lot of games this season for Kansas, and if we're to do a quick look ahead a little bit to, to Kansas State, that's a worry for that game, too. Yeah, you just faced the best running back in the conference. You're about to face certainly the second best running back in the conference. Maybe, depending on who you asked, might be on the same level as Bijan or even a little better than him with Deuce Vaughn. So, yeah, that's bad. The run defense is going to have to get it figured out. But listen, I I, I don't I mean I don't we don't want this to be a KSA segment, but I I don't think Will Howard is that good. I'll just say that. 
I've actually been kind of impressed with with what he's been. I, I thought when he was a like true freshman and then his uh, sophomore year, I thought he was really bad. I thought he might have been the worst quarterback in the Big 12. <laughs> but now I, I think he's kind of actually good. Um, so I don't know. We'll talk more Kansas State this week. But, yeah, the defense yeah. problematic for – The for, less uh, Kansas State talk, the better. Yeah. So that's some stuff they have to get fixed. And, and certainly, you know, it doesn't make you feel great that you're going up against Kansas State this week after after doing no. that um by the way i thought this was interesting ku so the crowd was thirty-eight thousand about for the game yeah i think it was announced a little over thirty-eight thousand. Mm-hmm. that was the announced crowd honestly i thought at the beginning of the game it was pretty good i mean i was out there and the student section was pretty much filled up so yeah student was section was filled they bought a bunch of the free tickets for them yeah so, so it, it looked it looked pretty good but obviously by halftime you know Fifty percent, if not more, of the crowd had left and didn't come back. So yeah, later I, in the game, it looked really bad. I'll be honest, I it wasn't a bad crowd. Like I'll I'll be clear on that. Um, and it listen, I just don't understand people like oh the crowd wasn't very good last year. We we were lucky to get twenty five thousand people out there. Okay, I know, I know. If you're comparing it to last year, it's, it's or literally any it's other year in the last in the last decade. I guess for me, I just viewed it as like. Hey, look! Your team is bowl eligible for the first time in in fourteen years. You have Senior Day going on. You're playing a Texas team who should draw a bit of a crowd, and and you know you beat last year, and you're trying to beat them again. And uh, how great that would be to I don't know just for the memes and the laughs and everything, and for them to have their lowest turnout since I believe the opener in the FCS game. Yep, for a senior class that has given you a lot yeah for a i mean the coach's wife with kelly leipold literally bought like a bunch of those season or, or tickets for the students which like you said i i, I did think the students showed out um well I and mean, for the start of the game with a head coach that you know we from every every interview that lance leipold has done kind of between from when the Nebraska and Wisconsin rumors started to now hasn't really given you a quote to the idea that like, Oh, he is going to leave for, for something else. But clearly there is interest from other schools that have really good fan support that could pay yeah. him a lot of money that have really good fan support for like the NIL okay, stuff. But don't even get me started on Nebraska, man. They're stupid. They're sellout streak. No, give me a break. Now that said, they do still have like eighty thousand people at all their games. Saying. But if they're when they're, when they're having the questions about oh, some donor anonymous donor bought the final twenty five hundred tickets to keep the seller streak going. Well, that still they means still have, seventy thousand no, people. They in still there, have you know? eighty. Yeah, they still have eighty thousand. And so for a coach who is getting the opportunity, I would say for other schools to you know be interested in on him. Wouldn't you want to do everything well, but, possible to try to make? It's like it's like if you're going well, I understand, to but okay. if you're going to a job interview. If you're going to a job interview, don't you want to do everything possible? You want to dress up nice. You want to have your resume ready and no typos in it. You want to be prepared for the interview and the questions. You okay, want to but- do everything in your power to make sure you come off of, as a professional and, and in whatever way it is for that job interview. Okay, let's flip this for a second. And this was like Kansas showed up in jeans and a t-shirt. If you're the head coach of any program, how much does like fan attendance matter to you as a coach? 
I think fan attendance is kind of a microcosm, though, for the other stuff you're looking for. I First of all, I do think fan attendance matters a bunch. I think it matters, but, I mean, as a head coach, like, how much do you think it matters? I think like, if you were if you were the head coach of a school and your fan attendance was like, I don't know, you have, like, half the stadium full of all your games, mm-hmm. is that, or are you are you in your office going, like, man, I wish those fans would show up more. Yes. Why aren't there more fans? Yes. You want more of a, a home field advantage. Um, that also leads to more ticket sales. That also leads to more money for the university, which means better facilities for you. It's also the microcosm of if we have more fan interest, more fans attending, then probably more fans are going to be giving their time and the money to making this a more appealing place for recruits and for the NIL game, which that's about as big as anything. So I do think, yes, it wasn't a bad crowd, and compared to last year, great. I'm just, I just, I just, just I was not disappointed. Gonna, I, I no, thought I there understand. could have been more, I mean, I and, and I thought, from, but, I thought if you really wanted to show that, hey, Lance Leipold, stay here. We're building something again. He might stay, and um, the the well, Kelly okay, Leipold, this, we should probably bring this up. Quote tweeted because there was a Kansas football tweet that three sellouts, highest average attendance since 2010, most home wins since 2009. Thank you, Jayhawk Nation. Blah blah blah. Yeah, I mean, but this circles back to if you want your fans to show up, don't get annihilated. But the fan attendance, it's not like they knew they were going to get annihilated. Well, they knew pretty quickly. They knew pretty quickly. I'm <laughs> By not, the end I'm of the not, first quarter. No, I, to be clear, I'm not I'm not getting on them for... For leaving. For leaving or for, um, I guess, maybe it oh, not being a super loud game because there weren't a bunch of moments to get super loud, right? I'm just saying I would have thought coming into it, maybe there would have been more there. Now I don't know. This year I'm just I'm just not gonna get mad about fan attendance for this season just because of how good it's been compared to comparatively speaking. If Lance Leipold hypothetically left for another job in a week or two, it would, would I don't you think sit it would back be, here and say that that doesn't bother you at all that that no, happened. It doesn't bother me at all. Okay. Because I don't I don't I don't think Lance is sitting there in his office pondering like Nebraska or Wisconsin, yeah, and, and he says, clear. "Wow, only thirty-eight thousand fans showed up for the senior day. That's the final straw. I'm no, gone." No, I, I just think it's it's almost like a imagine if you were. And again, I'm not saying this is the case. Like Lance Leipold back in 2023 or whatever. I I have no idea what's going to happen there. If you're in a situation where you are somebody who's considering taking a job somewhere else, and you are like completely torn about what to do you honestly are like 50 50 on it right okay and you love the place you're at you love what you're building but you have this opportunity in front of you that you didn't think was going to be available to you and then you kind of have a really bad day at work does it is it smart to make rash decisions and do you just base it around that no but could that lean it one way I just don't Maybe. think that fan attendance is very high on the list of pros and cons as mm. to why you would either leave Kansas or stay or leave and go to Nebraska or stay at Kansas. Or well, do you Wisconsin do, or fill in the blank. You want to do a little overreaction? What over what? I, I mentioned that Kansas football tweet. Kelly Leipold, obviously wife of head coach oh, Lance Leipold, okay, yeah. tweet quote tweeted that and said, Thank you all who made it a memorable season. Can't wait to be back at the booth next season. That's From my understanding, that would not be as a. I guess they could just be like, "Well, we actually we bought season tickets." I'm the new Nebraska coach, but we. What, what if she? What if she quote tweeted it and said, <laughs> no. "Can't wait to be back at Memorial Stadium next season," because that could be Nebraska. That would have been Stadium, actually really funny, or it could be KU. That would have actually been really funny. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funny. I like that. Can't wait to um, be back at Memorial Stadium. So, do you want to read in that? Lance Leipold Man, officially. Do you want to make a, a definitive statement? Lance Leipold officially back, twenty twenty three. I mean, 
I, I don't think he's back because his wife tweeted that she's going back <laughs> to the booth. No. But, I, I mean, I feel pretty good about it. I, I don't know. I just It's just not <laughs> it's not Lance's personality to come in as a program-building coach. That's how he's built. That's how he's been built. That's how he's always been. I just, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's always hard to say, you know. Like, if I was, if I was a coach at some low-level school or whatever and Kansas happened to open up and they offered me, I would I would do it immediately. No questions asked. They they would I would have to they would have to beg me to say no. I would do it instantly. Yeah. So I don't know if does Lance feel that same way about Nebraska or Wisconsin, two schools that he has a lot of ties to? I don't know. Well, and certainly it's going to be decision day for both those schools making a decision on their new coach soon. So we should get a resolution to kind of all this stuff. Uh, real quick before we go to break, I don't know if you saw this Liberty Bowl like rep was there. That probably wasn't great for Kansas between the the fans leaving Maybe. at halftime and I don't know. the result of the game for the Liberty Bowl. Okay. But the one thing about bowl game people need to remember is it doesn't matter where you finish in the Big 12. No. Because the bowl games, ha- it's like how the bowl games can That's select. What it's a popularity contest. Yes. Contest. So it so it doesn't so for KU it doesn't matter. They could they no, still it have does, a chance though because the Liberty Bowl they might be viewing it. if it's a popularity contest Liberty Bowl is going hey we want somewhere that the, well, fans the Liberty are all Bowl one of the up. crappiest bowls anyways I think it was like the number four number five on the picks okay so they might be viewing it like ah, the fans <laughs> left and that was not good I don't know um, but either way Kansas should be fine for a bowl especially, I didn't mean to offend anybody no, by no, saying it was Iowa the crappiest State. bowl I just mean like. <laughs> The, the bowl game of the six and six teams. Uh, yeah, Iowa State lost to Tech, so they can't be bowl eligible. West Virginia can't so be bowl eligible. Now. Tech is good then, right? Um, they have six wins now, right? They have four, yeah, so four are there eight bowl eligibles in the Big 12? Who am I missing? Oklahoma. They won. Oklahoma. So, yeah, it's just West okay. Virginia and Iowa State who aren't. Yeah, right. So, I guess that could mean hypothetically. Oh, that would be a disaster. If TCU does not make the playoff, one Big 12 team will not be in a Big That's 12 so bad. bowl tie-in. I don't even want to hear it. Someone even, else. I'm muting you. Nope, is you're muted. Not eligible for a bowl game until they get someone else. Nope. Not even going to consider that. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Shock Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it.